For those of you who are visiting for the first time, it's uh, Missions Month for us. We're talking about missions and stewardship. And every Sunday, as we've had different missionaries here to share with us, we've had a, a unique opportunity during the sermon time where I've preached, and then they have kind of provided the illustration. And uh, we actually had Perry Rubin from the uh, campus ministry at Auburn, Auburn's uh, Christian Fellowship Ministry, was going to be here, but his father had a heart attack. And so we found out um, he's okay right now, but Perry needed to go. And be with his dad. So we found out midweek, and Andy and I have created a staff mashup in true fashion of the whole month. So uh, I must warn you, we have only spent a few hours, uh, as in a couple, less than three. I'm not on? Oh, hey, how about now? Can you hear me now? There we go. They were giving me the signal back there. Um, I, there it's family Sunday. We don't, we don't need subtle. <laughs> so, um, we spent a couple of hours, and uh, we mashed this thing up, we've prayed a lot, we've talked a little, and uh, we've studied on our own, and we are coming here today to share with you, and we are in the middle of a month-long focus on missions and stewardship, as I said, and in just a minute, we're going to look at King, 2 Kings chapter 5, so go ahead and turn there, um, it's in the Old Testament, in case you're not familiar with that, uh, just start in Genesis, thumb your way through until you get to 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, Andy and I are going to focus on a simple little aspect of missions that we like to call hands and feet. The reality is, if we're going to be the hands and feet of Christ, we need to ask him to give us his eyes so that we can see the world the way that he sees it. And, And there are also a few things that you need to know and a few things you need to be ready to do. Other than just seeing the world through Christ's eyes, you have to be ready to act when he shows you the need. We came up with three things that you need to know about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we hope that these things will be an encouragement to you as we go over them this morning. If you're taking notes, and we hope you are, then you'll want to write these things down and remember them. We need to do a good job of being the hands and feet of Jesus. The first thing is don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. The second one, and I'm going to give you all three and then we're going to break them down for you. The second one is don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Often it's fear that holds us back. And the third thing is know that one person can indeed make a difference. There are a few things also that just don't matter when you're stepping out to be the hands and feet of Christ. For example, size doesn't matter. We live in a world where bigger is better. And the reality is size doesn't matter when you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. Amount offered, the, the amount that's offered or given doesn't matter when you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. Numbers even do not really matter when you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. In fact, it's sometimes the most insignificant thing that ends up making the greatest difference. The, the cup of cold water, if you will. Andy, did you know, according to my random sources on the interweb, that in, 19, in 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of England. Did you know that? Those random sources on the internet can't be wrong. In 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to be executed. That he would have wished for another vote. In 1776, it is said that one vote determined that English, not German, would be the American language. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from impeachment. In 1875, one vote is said to have changed France from a monarchy to a republic. In 1923, it's rumored that one vote gave Hitler control of the Nazi party. In 1941, 12 weeks before Pearl Harbor, one vote 
saved the selective service. In 1960, Richard Nixon lost the presidential election and John F. Kennedy won it by less than one vote per precinct in the United States. It would seem that the little things really do matter. And more times than not, they seem to have a lasting impact. Wouldn't you agree, Andy? The small things truly do make a difference. No one understood this more than UCLA basketball coach, coach John Wooden. He once said this, It's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Isn't that the truth, though? Wooden led the UCLA Bruins to 10 national championships, a feat that will likely never, ever be repeated. Coach Wooden was a, was a proponent of the principle that people don't care how much you know until, until you know how much you care. His, his game-time practices were ferociously intense. There wasn't any slack in where you could just hang out and shoot the breeze. Wooden believed, Wooden believed one of the reasons his teams were so successful over the years were because of the small things. One of them being is this. He found time at the beginning of practice when players were coming into the court to take a moment to pull someone aside and see how they were doing, how, how things were going on in their lives. Last week, Kathy Hatchett was here from Choose Life of North Alabama. And she, she brought in these baby bottles, and maybe some of you picked some up out at the, the table there last week. And she said this. She said, 50 cents is all it takes for a pregnancy test. That's it, 50 cents. You see, at Choose Life, whenever you walk through the door, whether you're there for a, a pregnancy test or a sonogram, or, or whether you're picking up some baby clothes, you sit down with a Christian counselor, and they talk life they talk about Jesus and they talk life into you. And so we may not think 50 cents is a lot, but to choose life, 50 cents, a small amount, makes a huge difference. And so these people come in and they talk to these counselors and you never know, a small amount of money could, could mean the difference between a young, man, young woman hearing about the good news of Jesus. Small things make a difference. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, God, we are thankful that you call us to be the hands and feet. And this morning, God, we pray as we, we dive into these things and we dive into your scripture to see what it says, that we would learn and grow from your word, that we would truly come to understand that, that God, you, it's the, the big things are great, but God, sometimes the small things make a, an eternal impact in your kingdom. Thank you, God. Thank you for, for um, just showing us and, and teaching us this lesson today. And I pray all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Like John said, if you have your Bibles today, go, ho- go ahead and open them up to, to 2 Kings chapter 5. And, if, if, and here's what you need to know this morning. If you're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you can't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. That's our first point today. If you're taking notes, write that out. You cannot be afraid to stand out in the crowd. For some of you, this scares you to death. And I know, because I talk to some of you a lot. Standing out in the crowd scares you to death. You, a lot of you guys, you like to fit in. You like to, to fit in. You like us to know that you're not here on Sunday mornings. And this scares you to death. But, but I know this. I'm, I'm not sure why you're scared to death, but listen to this. Because the, because the Bible is so crystal clear when it says, when it comes to standing out in the crowd. As Christians, we are called to stand out. 
Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. John 15.19 says this, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The servant girl we read about in 2 Kings teaches us that we must not be afraid to stand out in the crowd. The Bible records only one statement that she says, that she makes. Her part in the Bible is so small that the scripture writers don't even mention her name. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was, a, he was a great man in the, in the sight of this master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given him victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. This girl was a, a, a mere slave owned by Naaman, a powerful and highly respected man. He was not only an outstanding general, the commander of a, a Syrian army, and a trusted companion of the king, but he was also a great warrior. If there had been a who's who back then, his name would have been at the top of the list in Syria. There was just one problem, though. He was a leper. For him to have achieved and maintained his position as a military commander despite his leprosy, he must have, been, have possessed unmatched skill. If, this, if it were today, he would have been probably a member of the Navy SEALs for him to continue to where he, to where he was. The servant girl at some point, though, must have realized that the struggles that, that Nahum was, was having with his condition, while highly, while highly respected, he could rise in rank, but people would still reject him. He was probably often very sick as well, and probably kept to himself at home when he wasn't out at, at war. The servant girl at some point, though, steps up and says something to the king's mistress. She says this, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. The prophet she referring to is Elisha. The servant girl was risking a lot saying something, saying something to, to Nahum. You see, she had a lot of good things going against her. She was a slave, the lowest anyone could be in, in social standing. She was an outsider, a Jew living in Samaria. She was young. She was a female in a male-dominated world. Despite all those things, she stands out from the crowd and speaks up. Nahum listens to the slave girl and makes plans to leave Syria and head to Israel to seek out Elisha. Elisha hears, hears that Naaman is coming, and, well, and, well he gets there, and, and when he gets there, tells the highly respected general what to do. And when Naaman obeyed Elisha's instructions to bathe in the Jordan River seven times, the Syrian commander was healed of his leprosy. Scripture says that, that Naaman's skin was restored, that it was like that of a child. More important, his faith was also changed. In that moment, he realized that he realized that God was God, and he sought to worship Him the rest of his life. Naaman even goes on to say this, and I love this scripture: Second Kings five fifteen. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except of Israel. What a powerful statement! One small person standing out and stepping up to speak can make a big difference. 
Somebody else who wasn't afraid to step out was a man named Jim Elliott. Along with four of his missionary colleagues, they were killed on January 8, 1956, while trying to establish contact with Indians in Ecuador known as the Wudani people. Jim Elliott and his friends had been working to make friendly contact with the tribe. They'd seen them from the air, and they'd only met one tribesman face to face. They'd participated in trades with the Wudani people from from a plane to, to the ground. They'd lower stuff down in a bucket and, and they would, the, the Wudani people would take stuff out of the bucket and they would put something back in and they'd hoist it back up to the plane. And so they'd met one Wudani man and they'd, they exchanged some gifts. But when Elliot and his friends landed on a river beach in January that day, they were slaughtered by the waiting Wudani men. Their deaths were not in vain though. You see, as much work as those men did, their widows and their children also chose to stand out in the crowd Many people tried to encourage them to bring their children back to the States, but they continued to try and make peaceful contact with the Wudani people and eventually won the hearts of the tribe for the Lord. God has used this martyr story to inspire new generations of missionaries willing to give their lives for what they believe in by simply being willing to go and be the hands of feet in Christ and to stand out in the crowd. And when we stand out, we need to make sure of something. When we stand out for Christ... We don't need to be afraid to do something for the first time. What Jim Elliott and his friends had done had never been done before. It took them months to figure out how do we drop something out of a plane while we circle it around and don't get tangled up in the trees or anything else so that we can make an exchange with these people. They did some things for the first time. And we don't need to be afraid to step out for God like that. The smallest things done for God sometimes have the biggest impact. But we have to be willing to let God use us in those times. Kind of like the time that Jesus fed the 5,000 in John chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Scripture tells us, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is not just one little boy with fish and bread. This is one little boy who was willing to give all that he had. And when he gave it to Jesus, Jesus blessed it. And there was more than enough to go around. Here we have one little boy who's not mentioned by name. Again, there's there's no name mention of this little boy. Just here's a boy with lunch. And he wasn't shy to step forward and give all he had. At the surface, it seemed that he gave very little, but it was multiplied by the Lord. Many people were fed. Are you willing to live like that yourself? 
A lot of times we use what we don't have as an excuse for standing out in the crowd or for stepping up and serving God. But look at what you do have and figure out like that little boy. If I take what I have, no matter how small it may be, and I present it before the Lord, let him bless you in that regard. Let him work through your life with that. What would it take for you to trust God and step out for the first time like this little boy? What would it take for you to just say to God, Abba, I belong to you. What's mine is yours. What does it look like to really step up and do something like that for Jesus for the first time? Earlier this spring, me and John sat down. It wasn't really a staff meeting, and we just said, hey, we're just going to look at all the things we've done as a church, all the things we've done as an outreach. And we looked at things like Trunk or Treat and the concerts that we've done here and and, and our VBS, and, and we looked at those things and we said, what as a church can we do differently to reach people that we're not reaching? And we realized we do some great things for our community, but there still were other things that we could be doing. We thought about our community and we thought about the, the people that, that live there, that live here in, in Huntsville, and we realized we had a lot of people, a lot of people in our community that were veterans that have served our, our country faithfully. So we threw out just a crazy idea and said, what if we did a veterans dinner, something that honors those who who gave for their country? And so with that, the planning and the organization started. And all of a sudden, I was so excited about this new opportunity that we had. You see, about two weeks ago, we hosted our first ever veterans dinner. And I have to tell you, through it all, it was a God thing. God was all over it. It was such a, a great night. And while we had lots of veterans who attend HCC every single week there, we also had so many others who were not from HCC. I like to think that many of our guests there that evening had, for the first time, had the opportunity to hear about a Jesus who loves them, who sacrificed for them. You see, in the world of ministers and church staff, there's a saying that goes around. And it says this, it says, It says that churches must do things no one else is doing to reach those no one else is reaching. And so I kind of say that with a warning. So if we do some crazy stuff, it's because we're doing that, not just because we are crazy. But So um, you can be the church wherever you are. Dare to be the difference someone needs. Do something no one else is doing to reach your neighbors with the Word of God too. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, we must stand out from the crowd. We can be afraid to do something. We can't be afraid to do something for the first time. And third thing you need to know is that one person can make a difference. When I think about one person that made a difference, I like to think about Noah. He's that typical Bible character that pretty much everybody has heard about Noah. Little kids know about Noah, even if they don't go to church because of the unicorn. And they say, why weren't there any unicorns? And people always go, well, they were too busy playing when the rest of the animals got on the ark. People know about Noah, okay? It's it's just kind of a fact. We've heard the story. It goes like this. God speaks to Noah. And God says, I've seen the wickedness of man's heart. I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to cleanse it. You, Noah, are going to build an ark and fill it with two of every kind of living creature, male and female. Now, at this time, Noah was about 480 years old when God told him to build the ark. And he was roughly 600 years old when they entered the ark. Noah was one person who chose to honor God with his life. And God 
chose Noah to protect and continue life. So one man named Noah led his family through a 120-year journey of building something that no one had ever seen to protect them from a rain they had never experienced and fill it with animals that most of those people would have never been able to catch. Not to mention the food for the animals and food for the family. And Noah, in my opinion, was the original prepper. I think that's why I like him so much. He was getting all this stuff together, and you have to think that his neighbors just knew he was crazy. (laughs) Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. What's a boat? Well, it's actually an ark. Okay, what's an ark? They didn't get it. 120 years worth of not getting it. When you think about that, they had to think that he lost his mind. But Noah didn't live his life for popular opinion. He lived his life to serve God. He, He was the hands and feet of God. And I think Noah realized something in his experience of building the ark. I think Noah understood that God plus one is a majority. When God calls you to, to do something, even something for the first time, it's time to stand up and be that majority. I think it's safe to say we can learn a lot from Noah. We can learn things like plan ahead. You know, it wasn't raining when he built the ark. We can learn things like don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. We can learn things like build your future on high ground. Stay fit, because when you're really old, someone may ask you to do something really big. We can learn that from Noah. These are practical things. Speed isn't always the advantage. The sloth was on the ark with the cheetah. They all got there. Presumably so. You should always go in pairs, two by two. And don't miss the boat. There's an important one. Don't, don't, don't be like the unicorns. Don't miss the boat. Hey, when you're stressed, just float a while. Because after the flood and all, all that, it's this time of peace while they just kind of floated till the waters went away. So just when you're stressed, just, just float it out. Just go with it. Remember this, too. We're all in the same boat. Doesn't matter what color the pitch is. It matters that it kept the boat from sinking. <laughs> The ark was built by an amateur. The Titanic was built by engineers. I mean, professionals. Um, too, too much? Is that okay? Slid that one in. Why'd you put that in my notes? You know, no matter what storm you may be in, with God, there's always a rainbow waiting when it's over. You know, as individuals... We can make a difference every day simply by choosing to go outside beyond these walls. If you don't know where to go or what to do, just ask God to give you His eyes so that you can see the same needs that He sees. Maybe for you it's as simple as mowing the lawn for someone. I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the coolest things was right after I'd had hip surgery, I had somebody call me and they said, Hey, I was going to come and surprise you and mow your yard, but the last time I did, I broke your mower, so... Surprise, I'm going to come and mow your yard, but you need to help me start it. (laughs) Just mow the yard for somebody. Go out tonight and pack Thanksgiving boxes at the Downtown Rescue Mission. You're trying to figure out where to get started. If one person really can make a difference, what can you do? Um, Our young adult Sunday school class is going to, in a couple of weeks, on December 6th, we're going to stay after church, and we're going to actually make and can stew that we're going to offer to some folks that we're doing ministry with. And they're pretty excited about that. 
as individuals, each person is going to bring in a, a bunch of celery or a bag of carrots or a bag of potatoes or some onions or some meat. But altogether, we're going to do something pretty awesome for some of the families in our community. Do something for your neighbor this week. Bake them something. Offer to fix something for them. Rake something for them. Just go introduce yourself to them and shake their hand. Matter of fact, you can even tell them, my minister said I had to come do this. You can do that. And while you go, take a pie with you. Listen, nobody ever gets yelled at for bringing food somewhere. So take your neighbor a pie. It's Thanksgiving week. If they don't eat pumpkin or they don't want, they're still going to, it's going to get eaten. Somebody in the family will eat that pumpkin pie. You know, as a church, we make a difference by doing things like Christmas prayers, short-term mission trips, vacation Bible school, the the veterans dinner. We even have a benevolence policy. We, We do all these things together as a church but as individuals in Christ's church we need to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus speaking of being the hands and feet and and making a difference in the community when I first was hired here it wasn't long after I was hired probably three or four months I was sitting in my office and it was one of those days I was the only one there doing work and um, John had left at 12 in the afternoon because he was getting home for the day I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He works hey, longer than that. that. Right after my yeah. Morning nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I do distinctly remember it wasn't long after I got hired and um, I was the only one in the office and someone knocked at the door and I went to get it and it was a, a young woman and her, her, her young daughter. And she says, um, she's like, hey, we could just use some help. And I invited her in and we sat down and she says, for the past week, I've been living out of a U-Haul van. Um, and it's long story short, her husband had kind of been beating her up and she left in a hurry, packed her van up, um, uh, got in the van and, uh, or got in her U-Haul, packed everything she had up, stopped at the church, stopped here in Huntsville and said, Hey, we, we can use some help and talked to her a little bit about some, some options and different things. And, and, uh, I said, Hey, stop living out of your, your U-Haul van. You need to go to the rescue mission. Are you, and she was so thankful. Are you serious? They'll do that? I said, yeah, you head over there. I'm going to call one of my buddies over there. I'm going to let them know you're going to be there, and they're going to, they're going to take care of you. And she goes over, and um, I get a call a couple weeks later, and she had already um, started some, some recovery, some different things, got into a couple different programs, started looking for a job. And she's like, hey, I've been living here several weeks. Um, would the church be willing to help out with some, some rent? And we started the motions for that and, and helped her out got her into an apartment. And I got to tell you, it was about two years later, um, Lindsay said, hey, can you go to the grocery store after work? I, I pick up some salad dressing for dinner. I said, yeah, I'll do that. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, I got to stop at the grocery store, you know. And it, you know, and so I stop at the grocery store and, and I I'm, I'm get the salad dressing. I'm, I'm checking out and I hear this voice, Mr. Andy. And I was like, where is it? Mr. Andy, it's me. And I said, hey, and I, I did not recognize this woman. And she's like, don't you remember? You, you helped me and my daughter. You, you sat down with us and you prayed with us and, and you sent us to the rescue mission and we're living in an apartment and my daughter is going to school and I'm like, oh, that was so good. I'm like, that was a God thing, you know? She said, you, you made a difference in, in my life. You know, the things that we do through our benevolence and the times we sit down and pray with people, it makes a difference. And so think about those things because, man, I, you know, it's so crazy how God works. It's unbelievable. 
See, being the hands and feet of Jesus is vital to making sure the kingdom of God continues to move forward. Even the small acts of service have the potential to save someone's life and give them eternal hope. This morning, as you prepare for our response time, we're going to do it a little bit different, and I know everyone gets a little on edge when we say that. But this morning, we're going to ask everyone to respond. We're going to do something, something different. There's a piece of paper that you saw on your, on your chairs when you came in this morning, and, and there's pens all around. And so at this time, go ahead and grab a piece of paper, grab that pen, and this is what we're going to ask you to do this morning. While we're singing, we don't want you to stand up right away. Don't stand right away. But I'm, we're going to ask you to respond. What we want you to do is think about something you can do for the kingdom of God. And I want you to write it down on that piece of paper. And here's the thing. It doesn't have to be anything big. We, we kind of gave you a, a list of things. Being the hands and feet of Jesus isn't always the big things. Even the small things make a difference. This morning I asked one of my high school students, hey, I need you to run the projection. I can do that. It's the small things that make a difference. And so for maybe for you this morning, and maybe it is a big thing, and that's great, but maybe for you this morning, you're going to write on your piece of paper, you're going to write mission trip. I want to, I want to take a mission trip. Maybe you're going to say, you know, I'm going to serve at the rescue mission. I hear, I hear Andy and John up here and, and other people talking about the rescue mission and the great work, and you've never been there, and you're going to write mission trip. You're going to write rescue mission on your, on your piece of paper. Maybe you're going to write choose life. We've got baby bottles. We, we'll give them to you. Fill them up. 50 cents makes a difference in a young, woman, young woman's life. The rescue mission saved 818 babies last year because of the small difference that the community makes. 50 cents, a small amount, makes a big difference. Maybe you say, I'm going to put up Christmas decorations at church this year. I'm going to put up my, my neighbor's Christmas decorations. Maybe you're going to say, you know what? God has been calling me for a long time that I know I need to step up and teach. I need to be a Sunday school teacher. I need, to be, I need to teach kids. And maybe God's calling you to do that. And this is your day where you say, I'm going to step up and do that. Maybe it's like John said earlier. You're going to go to a neighbor's house mowing their lawn, or you're going to rake their leaves or bake them cookies. It will be a, it, whatever you can do to make a difference in someone's lives. The small things make a difference. Me and John and our, our elders, we have seen that day in and day out. But we need the hands and feet of Jesus to do that. For some of you, it's going to be the small things. And as we learned today, even the small things can make an eternal difference. And after you write them down, this is what I want you to do. As you write your things down, I want you to pray about it. Don't just write it down and throw it to the side. I want you to seriously pray about it. Pray to God, how would He use you today, this week, this month, this upcoming year, we're getting ready for a new year. How is God going to use you? Because you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. I want you to pray about it. Ask God, to, to, ask God that He would be glorified through it. And as you write this down, I want you to remember three things. Three things, and I, and I hope that they are an encouragement to you. Right? Three things I want you to remember. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. And don't be afraid to do something for the first time. I think of how many things we've done that if we've never done them or asked people that, of not doing them for the first time, of how many things wouldn't have been done. And thirdly, know that one person can make a difference. And when you're done writing that, I want you to pray. And then when you're done praying, I want you to, to put those in your Bibles and just keep them there.
And I would hope they would serve as a reminder as the upcoming year comes and you would open that or this week. If it's something you need to act on this week, you need to act on it. Do it. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when you're done with that, you can stand with us and and we'll continue singing. Take this time seriously. People come to me and John every single week. Hey, how can we plug in? How can we serve? And what do we say? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And that's my question. Have you prayed about it? And as we're doing that, if this is your Sunday and you're like, you know what, I don't know Jesus, but I want to give my life to him and, we want, and you want to be baptized in, in, the, in, new, in new life, we want to do that to you. I'll, we'll baptize you in our clothes. I don't care, right? We'll baptize them, right? Or if you just, it's been one of those weeks for you and you just need prayer, our elders are here. Me and John would, would love to pray with you. Um, so let's stand, or actually don't stand. <laughs> let's sing and respond to God's word this morning. Thank you for worshiping with, with us today. Whoa, 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 and whoa, hey, you, hey, what, that's you, my line. No, that, that's I, that's I, my line. So you said I could. You give a guy an inch, he takes a mile. Man, and you don't get to sit in my chair this week oh. either. No. Um, before we close out, I do want to uh, say, if you weren't here in our Sunday school hour, we had Paul Highfield and his wife Pam visiting with us from the Christian Restoration Ministries, and they've got a whole lot of information out in the foyer, and we're always glad we've been supporting them. How long have we supported you guys, Paul? Long time. And Paul started this when he was 19, and we've been supporting him for 20 years. So that's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, stop by and see them. They're doing some really neat work in, in uh, Kenya and out with the Maasai, Maasai land, right? Did I say it right? There you go, Maasai land. Um, it has been great to worship with you guys today um, and, and this week uh, to encourage you with God's word, but now it is time to go. I got to tell you, for many of our young people, they're out of school this week, so parents... This would be a great opportunity, a great week to show our younglings what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community by setting, stepping out and doing some of those simple things. Start tonight by packing boxes with them at the Downtown Rescue Mission. Continue through the week looking for other ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're making cookies, bake a few more and walk them over to the neighbor with them. Uh, as you go this week, though, go and be like that young slave girl or the little boy not really mentioned, but they were willing to share what they had, knowledge and, and their meal. Or go like Noah. It's time for us to share what we have with strangers. Remember, when Jesus is involved, there's always enough, no matter what you're stepping out to do. Will you sing this last song with us? <laughs>